Amen. Well, good morning, Harvest. I'm Pastor Ryan. If, you don't, uh, if you're newer here, we're glad that you're a visitor. Um, and we need our Bibles every day at church. Amen. So grab your Bibles. You will need that today. We are in a new series called Root to Fruit. We're learning about spiritual maturity. And we've already covered some of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And uh, anybody know what comes next? What comes next? Patience. patience. So we're going to talk about patience today. If um, anybody feels like they really don't need any more patience, you're free to leave and just head home. If you're done with that, if that box is checked in your spiritual growth chart, sayonara. Anyone? Anyone? No? Great. Well, we're all in this together. We need to grow in patience. To help you grow in patience, I've decided to double the length of my sermon this morning. I've also decided to make it half as interesting as usual. So it'll be twice as boring and twice as long, and I'm going to be watching you to see who is the most patient person in the room. (laughs) Patience. This week is part one, God's tremendous patience. We're going to learn today why we should be patient. Next week, we'll talk about how. Let's just admit, though, that we really need to grow in patience. Uh, I coached my son Jared's basketball team this year. Check it out. Here's a picture of his team. We were called the Exploding Bananas. There we are. Uh, First time I ever coached, and so I learned a ton. Coaching 9- and 10-year-olds was interesting. I grew in patience, but I had to really train them. Listen, boys, when you have a lead, you can't keep rushing down the court, you know, and making bad passes and giving them more opportunities. You got to relax. You got to slow down. You need to be patient. It's like, okay, okay, okay. So uh, this was our last game yesterday of the whole season. Uh, and we built a lead, eight points in the first quarter. We were up by like, you know, 12 at the half. And by fourth quarter, we were up by 16 points. Yeah, see, so it's only my first season, so I can't tell you I'm a legendary coach yet, but I am on my way. There we are, up by 16 points, and my boys were doing great. They were, they were relaxing. They were slowly moving up the court. They were making a few passes. They were actually getting a little cocky, all right? And so as I watched the score go up, I knew that if we reached a 20-point lead, there's like a slaughter rule, like a mercy rule, where they reset the the scoreboard to zero to zero, just so that they can add a little interest to the game. The boys didn't know that. So once we were up by 20, suddenly the scoreboard said zero to zero, and my boys freaked out. They were like, where did all our points go? And then the other team scored a basket, and we were losing. And they were like, no, and they just started racing. And, you know, as a good coach, do you think I told them what was happening? No, I did not. I wanted to see how they would handle the pressure. And they just totally fell apart. So then at the end of the game, I called them over. I said, hey, listen, we won. We won 26 to 10, all right? But here's what happened on the scoreboard. And then they were all like, oh, okay, yeah, we won. Like, you know, acting all cool. Like they didn't just freak out. And then they got in line and shook the other team's hand. But when I watched them transition from cool as a cucumber to, you know, their hair is on fire in a moment, I thought, that's what we do all the time. You know, like we're playing it cool and, you know, taking what life throws at us. And then suddenly we're like, ah, how did that happen? And then we're running around like crazy people. And I think the Lord really wants us to grow in patience. How though and why? Um, We do struggle with patience. We struggle to relax. We struggle to slow down. We struggle to trust God's timing. Uh, What is God making you wait for? Could you make a list? Things you think he should have already settled or provided. 
And maybe an even more important question, why is he making you wait for that? Raise your hand up nice and high if you wish God would make you wait longer for things you want or need. You feel like he's delivering things a little too quickly and you would like him to slow down a lot. Nobody? Nobody. We don't like to wait. We don't like it when God makes us wait. So we have to learn why we're waiting and we have to learn how to wait. Let's pray and we'll talk about why we should be patient. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've promised. We thank you for what you're doing right now, whether we can see it or not. Show us what it means to be patient. Show us why we should be patient. Teach us how to do it. One moment we've got it, one moment we've lost it. One moment we're calm and one moment we are frantic. Show us what it means to live with a patient spirit how that can last. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go to three major passages today. You can turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Ordinarily, we would pick one passage and we would stay there and we would go verse by verse through it and learn everything about that passage. But we have a theme today. It's the patience of God. So we're going to go to three passages and we're really only going to focus on one thing in each passage, the patience of God. We're tracing this theme, same theme, through three different major passages, so we're staying focused, Uh, but it's a little unusual that we're doing it this way. In your bullets, and I'd love for you to take notes, help you to be engaged and an active listener, uh, but write this down. Be patient. Be patient. And we're learning why, so everybody ask me why. Why? Why? If you don't know why, you won't do it. If you don't know why, if you don't have a motive, you won't be patient. So in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we will receive the first reason why we should be patient. Let's all marvel at the fact that Peter got to write a few books of the Bible. Amen? <laughs> Do you know Peter's story? And the Apostle Peter is now going to be the one lecturing us on patience? Really? Him? Shouldn't a more patient apostle be talking about patience? This is the guy who jumped out of the boat. This is the motor mouth who never shut up. And he's the guy who's going to teach us about patience? God has done a work in his heart, though. Here we are, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We'll pause there. Jot this down. Be patient because God is being patient with the world. He's doing it right now. Because he's being patient with the world, you should learn to be patient with him and with others. It begins by saying, don't overlook this, meaning we're prone to do it. We're prone to overlook this. This one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow. Uh, We learn here that God has a different view and experience of time as you do. Um, God's nature is such that he is eternal. Just let this blow your mind for a moment. God never started existing. 
He has always existed. He is permanently alive. He, therefore, began beginnings. He started starting. He invented time. Sequence, chronology, movement. He thought it all up. Uh, God is eternal. So, his experience of time is very different from yours. Uh, He has always existed, and so he isn't bound by time. Rather, he personally strings time together. It's his invention, and he's Lord over it. Because of that, we can view his relationship to time in a few ways. First of all, he's ancient. He's as old as the universe. He has always been around. Uh, So when you compare him to time, he is very old and ancient, which is why the Bible calls him the ancient of days. Um, But compared to the whole universe, including time, he's beyond it. He's he's beyond it altogether. Um, And so he is eternal. Uh, This is mind-blowing to think about it, but it should give us a sense of his sheer size and his age and his greatness. And when we reflect on the fact that he is so transcendent and amazing when it comes to time, it should calm us down. He's not in a hurry. He's not running out of time. And he's not being careless. He invented it. We're fascinated by old people. Check this out. The Guinness Book of World Records currently has listed this woman as the oldest recorded person ever to live. She, she died back in 97, but she lived to be 122. Now, other people have claimed to live older, but they couldn't verify it. So this, is the, uh, this woman was able to verify her age as 122 when she died. Her name is Jean Calmet, born a year after Alexander Graham Bell patented his telephone. Born 14 years before Eiffel built his tower. She lived to be 122. The French, who celebrated her, um, her life, had their own theories about why she lived so long. They noted that she used to eat more than two pounds of chocolate a week. Amen. She would treat her skin with olive oil. She rode a bike until she was 100, and she quit smoking five years before she died. So write all that down. <laughs> Terrible example for our young, but she lived to be so old, and therefore there's tremendous respect and, and reverence for her uh, because of her age. She knows a lot. She was around before the phone. Um, when you think about God's age, how long he's been around, um, you, could, you could coat the whole earth in frosting and put candles on it, and light them, and you wouldn't come close to capturing how old our God is. You can't put enough candles on the cake. He is the Ancient of Days. Because He's eternal, because He has no beginning and no end, He's permanent, He isn't bound by time. He isn't bored by time. He isn't hurried by time. He rules it. This isn't meant to confuse you. This isn't meant to become some puzzle, like if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, you know, does it make any, like, you know. This isn't meant to, like, create some dizzying puzzle in your mind when you think about how God 
has always existed, it's not meant to confuse you, it's meant to comfort you. Because He is eternal, your heart can find rest. He holds your future. He knows your past. He secures your present. Because of His sovereignty over all the days of your life and the history of the universe, you can calm down already and be patient. In Psalm 139, verse 16, it says this, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. All of your days, he knew, before you even came into being. That creates a settled assurance in your heart that there's no haste, there's no need to rush, there's no need to grow impatient with God. He is on it. When you think about this from maybe a philosophical perspective, we have to establish a few things. Just because it says to God, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years, um, time is real to God. He experiences time and we experience Him in time. So this isn't meant to say that God, like, you know, time isn't real to Him or He somehow doesn't experience time. That's not what it means. It means that because of his nature, he experiences it differently from you. But he does experience time, and we do experience him in time. Because of this, it means it's actually possible for him to be patient, meaning he can actually wait for something, and he does. He can wait for something because he can experience time. He can give you time. That's not like something you know, like figurative that they say. It's not like something symbolic, you know. Uh, He really can experience time and wait for something. Sometimes people theologically have a problem with that. You know, well, God doesn't wait around. He's so sovereign and awesome. He doesn't wait for anything. He just does what he wants. Okay, we can't just uh, biblically establish a God who is strong and sovereign. We have to establish a God who is perfectly loving. Loving. And in order for your God to be perfect in love, he has to be able to wait. Because that's what loving people do. Loving beings wait patiently. Because God is perfect in patience and love, he waits. He can wait and he does wait. It's a very real part of his existence. Time is real to God. He's being patient right now. That gives us, we have a lot to explain though. Because if he is powerful and mighty, uh, and he can fix everything, why doesn't he just come down and set things straight? Uh, There are things in your life and in your world where you feel like God should be taking immediate action. Immediate. You don't know why he's waiting. Uh, We have to kind of defend the reality that we have an almighty God who doesn't take action. We have to look this straight in the face. There are people right now in our world who are waiting for very right things. Check this out. There are refugees in the world right now all over Europe who are simply trying to find a safe home. Uh, They're simply trying to get away from war and get their families to safety. Um, And it is a disaster. It is chaos daily, treacherous. People are dying. 
Um, And we, in seeing these pictures, have to ask ourselves why our God would apparently be doing nothing. Why it seems like he could be doing so much more, but he's not. Why does our God wait? Why does he make us wait? Why are children waiting for food in some countries? Why are people waiting for justice and freedom in some nations? Why are patients waiting for treatment? Why are, why are women waiting to become mothers? Why does God make us wait? Why did he wait so long while slavery was built into the masonry of society? Um, why did the Holocaust not end on the day it started? How could God wait? Right now there are terrorists plotting to kill civilians Without hindrance from above, wouldn't life be better without the weight? Wouldn't God be better if he wasn't patient? We have to answer for this. How could our God be so patient when so many things are bad? Understand biblically that his patience does not mean that he's apathetic. Doesn't mean he doesn't care. There's never an oh well. God's patience doesn't mean he's careless, doesn't mean he's, uh, he's, you know, losing track of things. He's not careless. God's patience does not mean he's permissive. He's not letting anything go. God's patience does not mean he's indifferent. We know that God is being patient, but that means he's simply holding back what he's already promised to do. Reading on in verse 9, it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. So he's made promises. Part of the problem in understanding why God would make us wait is the wait, the delay, seems to throw his own promises in jeopardy. Why would he do that? As some count slowness, but he's being patient toward you. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But be sure the day of the Lord will come like a thief, meaning unexpected. The world will not see it coming. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. Now suddenly we are warped into the future, the end of the end, even beyond the tribulation, the return of Christ, the millennial kingdom. We are now at the end of it all. And it says the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Wow. So... The result of God's patience running out is doomsday. Remember that the next time you want God to hurry up. Become less patient. He is being patient with the world and that is holding back the end of the end right now. We will see the disintegration of the entire cosmos. He's holding that back right now. Is it wrong for God to make us wait? Is it wrong for him to watch the world seemingly indifferent? Your life depends on God being patient. If his patience ran out sooner, you wouldn't even be alive. There'd be no world. Your existence depends on a patient God. Amen for a patient God. Your life depends on it. Remember that the next time you want him to hurry up already. Hurry up means no you. 
We should love that our God is patient, unhurried, willing to delay long for something that he values. It says, reading on here, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, verse 11, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness? Here it is, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are, here it is again, waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We are to be patient because he is being patient with the world. Why? Why should I be patient? Well, because God is being patient with the world and your life depends on that. There's a second reason we should be patient. You can jot this down. Number two, be patient because God's patience leads to salvation. You can flip over to the book of Romans chapter two for this one. Be patient because God's patience leads to salvation. New author in the book of Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is now writing, um, and he gives us in the book of Romans this amazing, uh, basically like uh, doctrinal foundation for the whole church. And he starts by talking about depravity and how we depend on God's grace and patience. And so in Romans 2 verse 3, we see how God's patience uh, leads to salvation. I asked my daughter this morning, Cassie, um, She said to me, Dad, are you preaching through the fruit of the Spirit again today? And I said, yeah. She said, which one are we on? And I said, patience. She said, oh. And I said, are you a patient person? Now, I already know the answer, but I asked the question. I said, are you a patient person? And she looked up, and then she looked back at me and said, depends on what I'm being patient about. Isn't that us? Are you a patient person? Depends on what I'm being patient about. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. God is a patient God, depending on what he's being patient about. And he is patient with those who need to repent. It says in Romans 2, verse 3, Do you suppose, O man, that you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So the Bible here is calling out the man who judges everybody else around them but doesn't take care of their own sin problem. It says, do you think you're going to get out of judgment? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You were under God's wrath. One of the ways you can learn to be patient is to see that God's patience led you to salvation. Whether you were raised in the church or not, you were sinful from the moment you were conceived. Do you know that? Do you know that you inherit sin guilt from the moment you were born? Do you know that you were born in sin? Do you know that hell is therefore your fault? And there's a place there for you. Do you agree with that? Because that's what the Bible teaches. Whether you're raised in the church or in the world, you were born sinful. And your only hope as an infant or a child or an adult to escape the fate of your sin is for God to be merciful towards you, a sinner. Well, what about before I reach the age of accountability? That doesn't make you innocent. You depended from the moment you were conceived on a merciful God to extend mercy to you and to save you. 
If that's the conviction in your heart, you will love that you have a patient God because you know His patience led you to repentance. His patience led you to salvation. You think you were always a Christian. Oh, I was always saved. I've always had a place in heaven. For ah. Then why do you need God to be patient? And you won't appreciate when He's being patient with others who need to be saved. We all have a sin problem. We inherit it. It's built onto our hard drive. And then we choose it. We download it like software. It's both a choice and it's both a reality from birth. Therefore, we need a patient God to save us. F.W. Borum says this about sin. Sin is a revolt from the divine authority. It is the anarchy of the soul. And God had to step in and do something to solve your sin problem, and He did it slowly. Are you saved? Are you saved whether you have a story of when you were saved when you were four or saved when you were 94? Um, We must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Born again. It talks about a moment when we surrender and we accept that God must save us from our sin. If not, you don't understand God's patience towards you. And the Bible says here uh, that we presume on his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that that kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Please understand that if you feel like you've just done life your way and nothing bad has ever happened to you and you're a pretty good person, uh, you are misunderstanding God's patience entirely. He's being patient with you because he wants to lead you to repentance. Uh, He wants to save you. And it says here that your hard and impenitent heart is storing up wrath for yourself on the day when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Um, Listen, God is being patient with some people in the room right now. And if his patience had run out already, you would be lost forever. If you are not a Christian and Jesus has not saved you, God's patience right now is holding you back from permanent, eternal, conscious torment. You can be there before your head hits the pillow tonight. And if you're playing games with God, his patience is running out. And I'm promising you that there is only one way your story will end. And don't assume that God's negligence to judge you means that he's okay with your life. If you keep hitting the snooze button and God's giving you a wake-up call, there are people in hell right now who wasted their last chance. And this might be your last chance. Stop taking advantage of a patient God because his patience is leading you to salvation. It's holding back permanent suffering from some people in this room right now. But it's also holding back permanent bliss from those who are saved. You could be there right now. Paradise. Oh, that sounds good. It's warm. It's beautiful. There's no dentists. You could be there right now. No hunger. Apparently there's food, but you don't have to eat it. It's like you can want to eat it, but you don't have to eat it. It's like wonderful. Perfect body forever. You're not going to find that here. But not without Photoshop. (laughs) You could be there now. But he's holding you back from permanent bliss because he's being patient. He's got work for you to do. 
Don't you think he wants you there? Do you think he loves the condition you're in here? Don't you think he would prefer to have all of his children done? He's being patient. God's patience leads you to salvation. We have to understand why he's being patient. One of our pillars is evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. And I want you to understand that whether you are saved or not, God has been exceedingly, shockingly, supremely, abnormally patient with you. If you don't understand that's how he's treated you, you won't be patient towards others. But his patience will run out. A man named A.J. Gossip once said this, The core and essence of the gospel is its tremendous and glorious revelation of how deadly is God's hatred of sin so that he cannot stand having it in the same universe as himself and will go to any length, will pay any price, and will make any sacrifice to master and abolish it. He is set upon doing so in our hearts, thank God, as elsewhere. There's a day circled on the calendar and God will do away with all sin and all sinners forever. And that day is coming. Are you saved? Are you saved? I got saved when I was in college. Do you want to see my baptism video? I was uh, the drummer in a heavy metal band. And the bass player in the heavy metal band invited me to his church. See, I was a good kid growing up. We went to church now and then, and I kind of knew the basics. But in my heart, it didn't penetrate. And then later in high school, I started going down a bad path of bad people. And that's when God started uh, reaching in. And so check this out. Here's me getting baptized college. This is Ryan Hall. Again, a few weeks ago, I had a joy of being in his home, meeting his parents. It's good to have them with us again today. And uh, Ryan and I shared, it's about midnight, I think, we were talking, and I just was listening to him talk about what God they made me wear a gown. So I got to tell you, the past month, God has really made some things clear to me, and over the past month or so, Ryan has perfectly understood that faith in Christ is the key to heaven, that eternal life comes not because of what we do, but rather because of what God on the cross did for us through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. Ryan, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God? who died and rose again from your sins. And have you by faith received him as your own personal Lord and Savior? Ryan, based on your testimony of faith in Christ, I'm going to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the light of his Man, after I got baptized, I just walked into that back room, and, and I just wept. I just wept because I knew how long God had waited for me. And are you saved? Are you saved or are you still playing games with God? Uh, You can get baptized on April 2nd. It's coming up. What are you waiting for? God is being tremendously patient. His patience is for the world. That's why we should be patient. Our lives depend on it. He was patient, which led you to salvation. And three, you can write this down. Be patient because God is being patient with you right now. Turn over to Psalm 103, verse 8. Psalm 103, verse 8. Now we're hearing from David in the Old Testament. Psalm 103, and David was a man who benefited from God's patience. David was caught in an adulterous affair. He also killed a man, and God was patient with him, and He wrote about God's patience in the Psalms. 
And so here we see Old Testament and New. We see a, how history has been impacted and how we've benefited from God's patience. History has been shaped by the hand of a patient, loving God who's determined to save and sanctify people everywhere. So here we are in Psalm 103, verse 8, where it says this, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Wow. You can write this down. There's three little sub-points here. God's anger shows, or his patience shows up in that he angers slowly. You can write that down. He angers slowly. He is slow to get fed up with you. Think about all the people in the Bible who, who benefited from God's patience. In the days of Noah, God said, build an ark. It took him hundreds of years to build this boat. And there was no Home Depot back then. All right? And so there they are. I mean, Noah would surely get a reality show if he was doing that today, you know. Uh, there he is, building the boat. Why? God could have just picked Noah up, put him in a little bubble, and wiped humanity out and put him back down. What's with the delay? God was patient, slow to anger. Our God is slow to anger. God was patient with the Amorites. Joseph went down to Egypt, and God said... Um, to Abraham, even before all this happened, God said, surely your people will be prisoners in a foreign land. Uh, 430 years, was it? God waited and waited and waited while the Israelites were under bondage and slavery. Why? God said, because the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. How long did he wait for the Amorites? 400 years. Um, God was patient with Pharaoh, plague after plague after plague. God could have just been like, smooshed like grape. Free. What's with the plagues and the go tell them again, go tell them again. This is a God who is angering slowly. But God's patience will run out. You feel like there are people in your life who are getting away with godless living. Why are they getting away with it? They're getting away with it. Stop them. Yeah. Because God's slow to anger. Do you really want that to change? Do you? Come on, God, become more angry. I want you to get angrier, faster, starting right now. Is that what you really want? Do you want him to be quick to anger? Well, with others. <laughs> See, this is the problem. Have you heard people who are skeptics say, well, how could a good God allow so much evil? How many of you heard that objection? How could... Good God allows so much evil. I can't follow him because he allows so much evil. See, but what they're talking about is the evil out here, right? What about the evil in here? Are you as worked up about that? See, what they really want is they want God to be concerned about some evil, but not all evil. We want God to get rid of all of it, and we know how that's going to end. So it's good and right and better for God to be slow to anger. That just means we've got to put up with difficult people. And that means people have got to put up with us. He angers slowly. And write this down. He disciplines us carefully. Carefully. It goes on to say in verse 10, or verse 9, He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Wow. That's amazing. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And 
Here it is. As a father shows compassion to his children, so God, the Lord, shows compassion to those who fear him. He disciplines us carefully. It says he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. God is so careful. He knows we're like, we're like dust. We're like grass. He's so careful to discipline us. And he has not treated us as our sins deserve. Um, God disciplines us carefully. God is disciplining you carefully right now. He is being patient with you right now. He is holding back the full harvest of the sins you have planted in your youth. Your life should be drastically different, but he is being patient with you. His spirit contends with your love of the world daily, and he is holding back what your heart is lusting after. He's holding back. He's disciplining you so carefully, and he's doing it right now. Think about how careful he was with Moses. <coughs> Moses killed the man and then ran away, and God patiently waited and then approached him, whole burning bush conversation, and Moses was not ready to say yes to God. Send somebody else! God was so patient. He was angry, but he held back that anger, and finally Moses went. Do you remember what happened on the way in your devotions? Do you remember reading that story? Uh, Moses neglected to circumcise his children, which was a command of the Lord, and so God was on his way to kill Moses because of his neglect. What's with that? The author of the first five books of the Bible, the author of the Pentateuch, is about to get wiped out, and his wife had to save him. Amen for godly wives. Remember that the next time you read the first five books of the Bible and say thank you to Moses' wife because he was about to go, and God spared him. God was patient with the Israelites as they complained all the way through the wilderness. We want to go back to Egypt. It's terrible out here. We just need to go back, back to bondage. And he was so patient. Jesus was so patient and careful toward his apostles. They all ran away. Jesus was so careful with those who crucified him. Father, forgive them. God was so careful with Jonah. He was just one complaint after another. Ran away, ran away. God was so patient. God is disciplining you carefully right now. Uh, He is not treating you the way your sins deserve. God is being unbelievably, uh, immeasurably, um, unfathomably patient toward you right now. When you understand that, you can be patient toward others. When you understand how you are benefiting from God's patience in this very moment, you can extend that same patience to others. And then, he loves us eternally. Write that down. He angers slowly. He disciplines us carefully. He loves us eternally. It goes on to say, he knows our frame. Then in verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. This is a promise only for believers in Jesus Christ. Please understand that. God is not making this promise to you if you're living in rebellion against him. Uh, 
He is driving you to repent and to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Then you get the benefits of his careful correction and his everlasting love. But before that, you only have the promise of his wrath coming upon you. But maybe you are a believer and you're asking what so many people are asking. How long, O Lord? How long? How long until you do something about this? And the Bible asks that same question. Psalm 77, 8 says this, Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy, but God is great like our God. Time teaches faith, and time tests faith. God is driving you to learn patience. It's good and it's right for God to be patient. It is helpful for God to teach you patience, and your life depends on it. And your salvation depends on it. And your spiritual growth depends on it. Amen for a patient God. Allow Him to make you more patient so that you are like Him. And then when you become like Him, others will see. They'll see God in you when you are patient. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your patience towards us. Lord, right now, you are being patient toward people who have kept you at arm's length for their entire lives. They have played games with you. They have loved their sin. They have neglected their church. They have forsaken the promises found in the Bible. They don't know if they're going to heaven. But you brought them here for a reason. And right now, Lord, I pray Know you are giving them a chance. Your patience will soon run out. And then they will be permanently separated from you. Oh, Father, I pray that right now there would be some who would wake up and call upon Jesus as Savior in their hearts and say, forgive me, for I have sinned. Pray that they would trust the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for their salvation. I pray that their hearts would find rest and that they would love how patient you have been with them. Lord, may people make the decision to get baptized right now if they've been putting it off. May they not delay their obedience any longer. Pray that they would understand that patience is simply you holding back your judgment and punishment. Father, I pray for those in this room who are already saved, but they are struggling with the weight. May they not resent it. May they embrace it. May they know that You're eternal. You command the ages. And our time and our days are in the good hands of a perfect God. Help us to calm down. Help us to be strong, to take heart, and to wait on the Lord. Amen.